0: This is the Bottom Rock Podcast. Today's episode, I'm going to call Poutine and Burgers. This one is to showcase the difference of what I mean between the descent to the bottom rock and the actual position of the bottom rock, and how I reacted to a very similar situation on the descent versus when I was at peace on the bottom rock. To to give a bit of backstory, I was dating a woman uh, who became pregnant and during the pregnancy during week 17 was a significant turning point. Everything had gone along very well so far We we had our ups and downs. We had our stressful moments. Learning about the pregnancy, I approached the the situation in different ways, as I had a lot of fear with not being married, having a bit of a tumultuous on and off relationship with this individual, and sometimes we're great, and sometimes we're not so great, but. By week 17, we had really started to progress and we became focused on developing a family for our child who became Penelope, a very kind, gracious, creative, funny, really beautiful little girl who is currently five and three quarters. And we had got our midwife, chosen our doula, who was this individual's friend. And we moved into a home together and we had started to really begin the nesting period uh, during the pregnancy. And it was week 17, it was a Saturday night, and we sat down on the couch at the end of the week to watch a movie. We started scrolling through Netflix and Crave, and a couple other apps. And I said to her, what movie do you want to watch? She said, I don't care. In a very disgruntled, short, antagonistic way. So what do you mean you don't care? I don't fucking care, was the reply. I said, okay, well, why don't you fucking care? Because, I know what you're going to do. I replied, "Oh yeah, what's that? She said, you're going to, you're going to choke me out and you're going to steal my baby. You're going to kill me and take my baby from me. I know you are. I replied with, oh, oh really? And, and, and when's that going to happen? How is like, that's not an option. That's not, that's not the truth. That's not what's going to happen. She says, yes, it is. I I know you. I know you're going to do this. So for the next three hours, I spent a significant amount of energy trying to convince this woman that I was not going to end her life and was not going to steal her baby away from her. At this point, I loved her. I loved our family, and I was really focusing on growing a long-term family unit, regardless of the stress that it was. And I tried to do creative things during this three hours. I found some old baby photos of myself holding my little brother when I was five. I showed coaching pictures uh, with me with other little kids. I showed therapy photos and videos of me working with kids, working with people. And I showed little, like, old photos of family situations showing, like, I- I'm not gonna harm you. Uh, this is just who I am. I am someone who can help people, who's here to serve people, and who here is, like, really a loving individual. Eventually, she kind of calmed down. And we went to bed, and everything was okay by the end of the night. Uh, We got up the next morning. It was a Sunday morning, and we went. I had a flag football game scheduled, which we attended together. And then after that, we went hiking up the Sea to Sky uh, Trail that just recently opened up. And we had a nice day, nice evening, and everything actually kind of continued on without any issue so the next week I reached out to Pam the doula and I said hey Pam can we just meet up for a coffee I just want to go over something that's a bit concerning that popped up recently met up with Pam I'd tell her what had happened said she she claimed that she didn't care because she thought I was going to choke her out And steal the baby from her. And Pam's first response was. Well are you? Pam. That is not. An option. That is simply. Nowhere close. To. The action that will be. Taken at any point in time. On the spectrum of this situation, I am blown away by this question, so no Pam, I will not choke her and steal her baby, I am coming to you because I am concerned about potentially postpartum, potentially hormonal dysregulation, and I'm only using those terms because I don't know any other term to use for what is happening right now, other than this situation that is quite stressful and causing some fragility in my security because I don't know how to help somebody, so I'm reaching out to you. This was never really taken seriously. Flash forward, about a year to July, 2018. And this individual then began began a trend of phoning the police on me, which happened six different times. Uh, A number of times I was not at home. She thought that I was going to come home and kick her out of the house. She thought I was gonna come home and steal the baby. She thought I was gonna come home and, and harm her and none of these were any options this was there were no threats to it there there was i would constantly repeat you're loved more than you know i would use my love language in the way that i knew how i used my communication at the time that i knew how could it improve yes it could but i i didn't know any other way and i tried to reach out to people and every time i reached out to people it was looked at as a threat to and a a type of control or a type of manipulation of the situation when I was just trying to seek some kind of refuge and seek some kind of support for a, a growing family dynamic. So in July, 2018, on the second police call, I had not, I had just got home and Nora was, had called the police. They investigated. There was nothing substantial, but they said, you know what? It's best for you to, to leave the home So she took Penelope and went uh, to her friend's home, which was about half an hour away, where she was supposed to stay for the weekend. Because there's a small child involved, they contacted MCFD, who is the Ministry of Child and Family Development. And they said, just stay away from one another until we kind of come in and assess the situation on Monday. So that was Friday evening. I'm home alone with the dogs, and late evening, around eight forty-five or so. Who returns to the home? My girlfriend, the child, and our doula, Pam. So what are you? What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here well, our friend's house was too hot and Penelope can't sleep. He said, okay, but you're not supposed to be here. You, you just left the house. You just called the police and you're claiming to be fearful and now you're back in the home. Like, like what? Are you, what's happening? Well, I'll just sleep in the basement. No big deal. I'm not sure what any of the listeners would think, but I thought this is a pretty big deal. So I phoned the officer uh, who is still working and he was quite confused so he told me to call MCFD but at this time of day it's just their hotline and their hotline assistant told me it's just best if I leave the home for the evening and probably the weekend if she doesn't leave so I said well I have nowhere to go and I can't really afford to spend the money to stay in hotels all all weekend. Um, He said, well, don't you have an office? And my office at the time is a single room where I just did my athletic therapy and had a single uh, treatment table set up. So he said, well, why don't you just go stay there? And I kind of argued a little bit back and forth I said she was already out of the house she was she was escorted by the police and went to her house with the baby and now she's saying it's too hot like she's now back in this home I said yeah, I understand, but we'll get to it on Monday. This is very stressful at the time and confusing, and I don't really I've never experienced this and I, and there's not many people that I had an encounter at this time who knew what to do so I left, and I stayed downtown at my office. I packed a bag for Friday night, and I also had to work Saturday morning downtown. Now, my office building was built in 1910, and the windows are so thin that it seems like they are original windows, but for sure, at least, 60 years old and you can hear every conversation and street noise downtown Vancouver which is quite filled all night with sirens and party goers and all kinds of people so I didn't really sleep that well then on the second night same kind of situation the house said that the people in the home said they were gonna stay there so I had to stay at at the office again for the second night, and I called MCFD again, and they confirmed, yeah, just stay away. We'll we'll get a hold of you on Monday when you can re-enter your home. And I thought, you know, this is this is ridiculous, but I just complied because I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, didn't want to be mistaken as being aggressive or having any issues. So I just stayed stayed away. The next morning, I was supposed to go to a open house, kind of get together, and I go back to my van, and I had bought a minivan. I traded in a Jeep for a minivan, thinking it was a symbol of being a good family guy to help build security in my partner's mindset that I was dedicated. I know this sounds ridiculous, but I bought the most a boring soccer mom gray Dodge Grand Caravan twenty sixteen with a DVD player on it with it for kids like just that's why I drove around it just a benign idiot and and when I went to the van once again. The van was broken into. Uh, There was nothing in the van, but the windows were smashed. So that's another minimum of $250. Plus now I have to drive around with no windows. It's quite agitating. Flash forward to Sunday night. Now I haven't slept for a few days. I'm feeling a bit fragile. I'm a bit frustrated. I wanna go home. I want to get some new clothes I want to sleep and I had contacted the officer again he said yeah sometimes this just happens just stay at the office and if you ever do go home or when you go home just keep recording everything he's seen this before different tactics turn on your phone recorder video tape like everything so Uh, My security is now shook. And so when I'm at this position of my life, at this time, and still today, I like to eat. And at the time, I was addicted to Smokes Poutinery. If anyone's had Smokes Poutinery in Ontario or Montreal, um, there's not very many out here anymore, but it is delicious. And my go-to order was an original, small size, but then a large double double cheeseburger poutine. So you had the fries, the gravy, regular poutine, but then they put on this like spice ground beef, jalapeno peppers, all kinds of stuff, whatever you would normally put on a burger. It's delicious. So here I am quite depressed, walking Granville Street around 1230 at night because I can't sleep. I'm walking down Granville back to the office with my poutine in hand, eat, trying to eat it. And this homeless guy stops me. He's like, Give me your poutine. I said, Excuse me? He said, Give me your poutine. And at that moment, I don't know what happened, but I just hit my limit. And I started yelling at him. I said, I have nothing left, this is all I have, this poutine. My girlfriend took my kid, she's in my house, she has my dog, she has everything, and i am been sleeping in my office, I have nothing left, man. My windows are smashed, my stuff is taken, just leave me alone. And I continued, like I yelled at him for a little bit, goes, oh sorry, sorry, sorry man, take your poutine. this guy is homeless. I could have given him one of the poutines, but here I am in my descent. And this is what I mean. In my descent, everything is sensitive. Everything is unknown. It's tough to go backwards. Yes, I had the target of Monday, dealing with things and being back home, but I was in a weak moment. I'm falling. I don't know what to do. I had tried as hard as I possibly could to connect with this woman to show that I was loving and willing to be a supportive father and partner. But here I am alone trying to soothe my wounds in grease and fries and cheese curds. So that was the poutine portion of the descent. Flash ahead now to just recently my wife, who I love dearly, and I had a kid who is now 15 months, Achilles, uh, a beautiful, handsome, smart, tough, because I've seen him smash his head so many times and he just (laughs) grunts it off. Inquisitive, funny little man, funny little king, the young king. And his name's Achilles. And recently, Rebecca, removed herself from our home, took our pets, took the child, and took a lot of possessions from the home, and did not contact me until she served me papers of divorce 10 days later. So this past Thursday, I tried to get into court to try to remove an order and try to gain access to my son as I, as I hadn't seen him, in two days and two weeks in a day. Again, my security is shook. I'm pretty wounded. I'm pretty overwhelmed. But it was a, I had been through the process as myself and Nora had been through court 45 times over the last four years. We hadn't endured a nine day trial a section 211 of a psych evaluation for all of us. We had a psychologist, Dr. Rebecca England, come through our home and analyze us and observe us with the child, interview all of our counselors and psychologists that we had ever spoken to, interviewed all kinds of people, and everything ended up just as it should be, 50-50 shared child time, shared responsibility, shared guardianship. For anybody thinking out there that you should do anything other than just share the child, just please do the child a favor as they should be with either parent on a 50-50 basis because they deserve to be taught and educated and experienced with both sides, both families at all levels. So this past Thursday, I tried to get access to my son, but I was told that I have to go back to Supreme Court now because my original application was in provincial court. Now there is still an option to to argue against and get access in order that removes your time with your child because it's just on an interim basis. And there's a Family Law Act, one hundred sixty-four three D that still allows the court to hear the matter and still make a ruling because this application was submitted prior to the Supreme Court application. Supreme Court is much more heavy-handed and much more expensive with lawyer costs. But I've been self-represented this the majority of this time. So I felt comfortable going to court and still had some coaching with me from some legal counsel. But our judge, Judge Dula, or sorry, Dosa, Judge Dosa, we had been in front of about four different times and had never actually made any order other than the original child support order. She liked to just kind of to boot the files and boot the applications down the path and never really make any decisions. So, Thursday's matter got dismissed and I was told I need to go to Supreme Court, which will then tell me that I'm not able to see my child for probably at least a month, which I tried to lessen and plead with the court saying, I would like to rebuild the trust I would like to take away some of the hesitation and concern and alleviate this by allowing third-party exchanges, by just being supportive and get quality time with the child um, while these matters are resolved over the next few weeks. But I was denied. When I walked out of that courthouse, that was the bottom rock. I felt at peace. I knew exactly where I was. I knew I had a significant timeline ahead of me. While I was broken and in my heart and in my mind, I was absolutely devastated. I was now now at the bottom of the descent. So I was no longer frantic. I was no longer reaching for anything. And I was no longer Unaware of how far I had to fall. And knock on wood, that is the lowest place I had to fall in this matter. So I tried to come home and take a nap. I couldn't sleep. I went downtown, Vancouver, because I had to work a number of hours later. And I just walked the city for a while. Just thinking like, What is happening, man? Like, where am I, what am I doing? How do I get myself into this position? How do I communicate to people to resolve the matter? How do I reconcile this matter? How do I, how do I do everything different? And I'd already lost about 10 pounds. I've been sweating 1.7 to 1.8 pounds a night been flipping over the duvet cover, which is interesting as a side note because the first time I went through this stuff, I just gained weight. I gained like almost the opposite, 1.72 pounds a night, just eating and not coping well. But this time, now I'm losing weight because it's it's not protective, like I'm losing my loves. And so I've been walking for a while, Walked by the Pacific Center and I thought, you know what, I need to get some calories in me. So I stopped by A&W. Went in front of the line, ordered a teen burger and a spicy Chipotle wrap. So I'm gonna start eating my emotions again, I thought. And then just before the food arrives, this 12 year old boy and his friend come up to me as they were waiting. And the one boy, the taller boy had his kid's meal arrive and then the shorter boy says to me, hey man, can you buy me food? And I'm at staring at my phone, trying to numb myself out in my fantasy football roster and stare at Instagram while I pers- like progress to my death here. And, and the boys, Asked me, I said, "What did you say to me?" And he says, "Can you buy me lunch, man?" And he looked like he was dressed decently; he looked like he wasn't poor or anything. And I repeat, I was like, "Excuse me." He said, "I'm hungry. Can you buy me lunch?" And I looked at this kid, and I said very firmly, "How about you get a job?" I don't know why I said that, but that's what I said. He said, I'm only 12. I can't get a job. I said, yeah, I had a paper route when I was 12. My mother made me lie and say I was 13 to the Sudbury Star to get a paper route to deliver papers in the middle of winter. And this little cheeky, unaware kid says, what's a paper route? I said, have you heard of a newspaper before? He said, yeah. I said, so you deliver those to people's homes. He said, well, I'm only 12, I can't get a job. I said, no, you can, I did. And then his friend said, oh, it's okay, man, just ignore him, just ignore him. But then I remembered the Poutine incident. I remember losing my mind on this homeless man. And I thought, oh man, here we are again. But I'm a bit more peaceful and a little bit more educated on this position. And now my guilt is just rising up. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. So those two boys walked away. I sit around for another minute or two. And then my food arrives. Teen burger and spicy chipotle wrap. I go and I seek out these kids. And I give the kid my food. I tapped him on the shoulder, I said, hey, you're hungry? He says, yeah. Say, here you go, you can have my food. And I just walked away. I didn't say anything else, I just walked away and then kept walking and then went to work and then continued on my life. To me, the, the main message in all of this is that was the difference between the descent when I was in the unknown to quote Elsa from Frozen with the poutine man. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I had to do and I was losing everything and I had no grip on any kind of position and I was reactive and I, and I was selfish and I had too much concern Versus on the bottom rock, yes, I was firm with the young boy and I told him what is most likely reality to get a job so he can pay for himself because life is quite challenging. But then the better part of me came forward, the stronger part of me came forward and gave him the food. And I just hope that the listeners can take something out of this, that sometimes we don't react the best in these situations. And sometimes we're not recognized by the people who are reaching out to support for. We become more confused. We become more discouraged. And we get somewhat shunned in the way that we're communicating. But it's important just to continue on, stay true to yourself, and continue just to be better. And this past Thursday was an opportunity to to do that. And I'm glad I took that step. And I wanted to share that with you today. Thank you. This is The Bottom Rock.